Hey guys, welcome to the hashtag Get Real Woke Podcast. I'm your host, Frederick D. Scott. And today is hashtag for the free Friday. This is the time during the week that I come on and teach you step by step all of the things that I believe you need to know to be able to achieve the level of success, either personally or professionally, that you want to achieve in your life. So before we jump on into today's topic, go ahead and hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification, leave me a comment at the bottom of this video to let me know what you think, and definitely, definitely hit the join button to join the hashtag RealWoke live chat community. All right, let's get into it today. So today we are on Credit Mastery Part 3. This is uh, the third part in, in my Credit Mastery series. And I think this is the part that everybody's been waiting for. Today, I am going to teach you step-by-step step how you go about disputing and getting things removed from your credit report. And there are a lot of myths and misnomers that I'm going to uh, debunk uh, during this episode today. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Oh, and by the way, this episode, I come bearing gifts for you guys. And I'll tell you about that in a second as we get on into this episode. Now, so the first thing I want to talk about, and I mentioned this before, and I told you that these would be the, the, the things that the governing laws that we would be working with to be able to successfully uh, repair, restore, and build our credit. So let me remind everybody of what those are. It's the Fair Credit Reporting Act and the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. So these two laws become extremely important when you begin to go down the journey of restoring your credit. So under the Fair Debt, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Fair Credit Reporting Act, under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, you know, and, I, and I'll drop the links for those again uh, in this video uh, at the, um, in the description so you guys can go ahead and take a look at those. But the Fair Credit Reporting Act, the summation of it, to keep it very, very simple, is that the credit bureaus have to report accurate information. It has to be accurate. It has to be timely. It has to be correct. It has to be true. It can't be partially true. It can't be 99.999% true. It must be 100% accurate. And when it's not, you as the uh, consumer, you as the person who has incorrect information on their credit report has the right to dispute the accuracy of that. Under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, right, which is the second law that governs credit in the United States, see, under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, a lender has to, there's some very stringent guidelines that a lender has to follow when they are going about issuing credit 
when they're going about verifying that the person that they're issuing the credit to is actually the physical real person that is applying for this credit. And more importantly, there are rules that govern how a collection company or a creditor is supposed to go about collecting that debt. And at any point in time that they fall down on the legal requirements and you dispute it properly, they will no longer be able to collect on that debt. Isn't that great? So not only do they have to lend the money properly, but they have to collect on it properly. They have to collect, keep all their records together. It has to be right. And I'm going to give you some insider knowledge on why it is when 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 a debt goes into collection why it is that 90 i'd say about 95% of the time based on the type of debt it is and we'll get into that in a moment but 95% of the time you're going to be able to win that argument and i'll go into why that is in a bit now so when i deal with when i deal with disputing credit i like to do this uh, in parts because I think it's very important. And so the first thing I like to do is kind of go through what the process looks like. What does it look like? So generally, the first thing you want to do if you is get a copy of all three of your credit profiles, right? Your credit reports. So you get those from TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. And there's a couple of places you can go to get that. Uh, so annualcreditreport.com. Let's talk about annualcreditreport.com. Annualcreditreport.com, first of all, will give you all three of, of, of your credit reports from the three different bureaus that give you a copy of your credit report from each bureau for free one time a year. So now with that, you're not going to get the scores. You're just going to get what's on your reports. Now, if you're looking and checking your reports, to make sure that what's on your reports are is accurate and true, timely reported information, then this is good enough for you. This will get you started down the path of being able to verify the accuracy of, of things being re reported on your credit profile. So annualcreditreport.com is a place you can go to get one free report from each bureau annually. I will put annualcreditreport.com in the description of this video. Let me write that down. Report.com. Okay, so I'm definitely going to uh, drop that in the description of this video so you can go there. Now, so you've gotten your credit reports. You're looking at your credit reports. Let's go through some language, what I'll call nomenclature, right? So when you deal with things, especially legal things, it is not what you say, but how you say it that's most important. Oftentimes people get themselves in trouble because they say a thing the wrong way. So with that in mind, I want you to learn the word or phrase, no recollection. I need you to know that. I need you to keep that in your mind. It is very important 
as we talk through how you do this, that you are using the right words. And a key word that you need to be using is no recollection. Now, let's move forward. So you've gotten your credit reports, you look at your credit reports, and you notice that you've got some late payments here, you've got some collection accounts on your credit report, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You would like to get those things removed. As you look at the collections report, as you look at the, the collections uh, 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 section of your credit profile, you notice that most of this stuff is credit cards, installment loans, no student debt, just credit cards and installment loans. You'd like to get this stuff off of your credit. How do you go about doing that? So first of all, this is where no recollection comes in, right? Because if you have no recollection of the debt, you don't remember it. Well, if you don't remember that you applied for it, better to dispute it, right? You have no memory of whether you applied for that debt and that debt is yours. Guess what? You have the right to dispute that under law. Now, notice I said no recollection. I didn't say not mine. Because if you say not mine, what you're saying is that you are 100% certain that that debt is not yours. And if it is discovered and proven at a later time that that debt did belong to you, you did apply for it, well, you've just lied. And that there can, they rarely are, but there can be legal consequences for lying. So, you know, again, you got to be very careful with the words you use here. But no recollection. See, no one can tell you what you recollect or what you don't, right? So no recollection is key, right? I have no recollection of this debt whatsoever. So now that you have no recollection, you've outlined, let's say you've got five collections, they're all credit cards and installment loans. You got these five collections right here and you have no recollection of any of them. What do we do now? Well, you have a couple of options. Option number one is disputing directly with the credit bureaus. That means filing a dispute or opening a dispute claim with the credit bureaus. And you can do that online or you could do that by writing a letter to them and sending it certified mail return receipt requested, right? So you want to write a letter and you want to ask them for, for them to verify the debt. Now, I want you to know that there are two ways, there are two types of, of, of verifications that happen. There's a verification of debt and there's a validation of debt. And they're two totally separate things. So I want to talk about that really quickly. When you dispute with the credit bureaus, like if you go online right now and you lodge a dispute with the credit bureaus, what they're going to do is reach out to the collections company or the creditor, whoever has the file at that time and whoever's trying to collect on the debt at that time, they're going to reach out to them and they're going to ask them to verify the debt. What does it mean when they say verify the debt? What the credit bureaus are asking the collection company to do is check your records and see if this debt belongs to the person. All the collections company or creditor has to do is send an email back to the credit bureau who is inquiring and say, yep, we checked that debt is theirs. And at that point in time, the credit bureau has verified with the collection company or creditor 
that you own that debt. And that's it for them. They're done. They've done what they're supposed to do. Now, a validation works different. When you ask for a validation, and by the way, this is something you ask for directly from the creditor. You're asking them to validate certain pieces of information. And I'm going to get to that in a second for you guys. I'm going to show you exactly what a validation letter is supposed to look like. I'm going to show it to you. Don't you worry. Now, you're asking that creditor, when you ask them for a validation, you're asking them to validate some very key and important legal pieces of information and, and requirements. And if they don't validate in accordance with, the, with, with, with what you've requested, they can't collect on that debt anymore. So you see a validation has a lot more uh, teeth in it than a verification does. But I do recommend, right, that when you start the dispute process, that you start it with the credit bureaus. Ask them, dispute it online or send them a letter, certified mail, return receipt requested, right? And ask them and tell them that it's in dispute and that you're, you're disputing this debt. Have them go verify it with the creditor. If the creditor doesn't or collection company doesn't respond to the, to the, to the uh, credit bureaus uh, within 30 days from the time of receipt, then at that point in time, the credit bureau must by law remove that from your credit report. Period. It has to be removed. Done. End of story. That's the law. That is how it works. Fair Credit Reporting Act is very clear on that. So that's how that works. So some things just by opening a taking five, 10 minutes to open a dispute right online uh, at the Credit Bureau's website, the TransUnion Equifax and Experience website, or simply by, you know what I mean, like sending a letter to the credit bureaus, certified mail return receipt requested. I'm going to tell you why I keep saying that in a second. Uh, what you're doing is you may win some of these just on that alone and won't have to take it any steps further with the, uh, the collections company or, or creditor. So, so that's very helpful, right? So that's why I always recommend that you go that way first. Now, why do I keep saying certified mail return receipt requested? Okay, if I'm going to write anything to a credit bureau, a collection company, a creditor, I'm going to send it certified mail with one of those return receipts on there so I know and can document when they received it. Because when they receive it, I'm going to get a little slip in my mailbox that tells me it's stamped with the date that they received it. And this is very important because the date they received it starts the 30-day clock. And so if they haven't responded within 30 days, right, once that 31st day goes along, now you're able to inform the credit bureau that you want this removed by law, by law, because they have not, because the creditor has failed to respond. And by law, the collection agency, or I'm sorry, the uh, credit bureau, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, most definitely have to remove that. It's that simple. Now. So how do you write? Let's talk about how you write these types of letters. What does a verification letter look like? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to share with you what a verification letter looks like right now. So give me a second here. Let's get in here. Boom. And let's open this. And now I need to, let's see. So I opened one of the letters, but give me a second. I'm actually going to share that screen with you. Give me a second. 
and you will see exactly what it looks like. This is a debt verification letter. Now here's the great news. I told y'all I was gonna come bearing gifts today, didn't I? I meant that. So all of these letters I wrote myself and they're yours uh, free of charge. So I'm gonna teach you guys how to use them in this course today. And then I'm gonna give you access to the letters, which truthfully you've had access to them for a long time. Because if you look in the description of my videos, you'll see that there's a link for my hashtag for the free resources. And one of my free resources is all the letters that you would need to dispute uh, your credit properly. So that being the case, uh, I'm gonna share with you what a debt verification letter looks like. So this is a debt verification letter. This is what I would send to the credit bureaus uh, to kind of get this kicked off, right? If I was gonna send a letter, this, I'd send something like this. To, to whom it may concern, I just reviewed my credit report and have noticed there are several inaccurate items on my report. And then of course you wanna list those inaccurate items. And you see what I've done here is I've highlighted all the places in yellow, right? That you need to put your information. Everything else is standard. So it's real easy. Populate your information and send. And that is the goal here. You know, I'm, I'm, I did this because I'm so sick of seeing people charging money for this stuff. So I just decided I'd just teach it for free and give away all the letters you need for free. So this, this is happening. So here we go. Notice, notice the language. Now I have no recollection of this account and therefore believe that this account is reporting in error on my credit profile with your bureau. Here we go. The account is listed as being, and then you will pick 30, 60, 90 days in collections, whatever, late. I have never been late on this account. So, and then, you know, you provide your information, you know, your proof and everything like that. Keep it moving, right? Done. That starts the verification process. Now, what they're going to do uh, once they get that verification is they're going to then begin to uh, inquire about that situation with the credit bureau. I mean, with the uh, collection company, I'm sorry, with the collection company or creditor. Now, what happens if that collection company comes back and says, yeah, we verified the debt. And at this point in time, you know, we feel like that's their debt. And okay, cool, great, wonderful. The credit bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian are gonna come back to you and tell you that. Now, what do you do? Don't worry, I'm gonna tell you. So this is where you get the creditor involved now. Now, this is where you wanna talk directly to the creditor. Again, certified mail return receipt requested, you are going to send the creditor a debt validation letter. You're going to request for a debt validation. So, okay, you verified the debt with the credit bureaus. Great. Now you're going to validate the debt for me. Under law, they have to validate the debt. And let me show you what a debt validation letter looks like. Let me show you the one I did. So, and again, these resources are, are for you, uh, for free. You just kind of populate your information, but let's go through it. This is how I do my debt validation letters. And to be honest with you, when I help like friends and family with this kind of stuff, right? I usually come in and help out. I only do this like at this point for friends and family to be quite honest with you, because I feel like I teach you to do this so you can do it for yourself. Um, I'm always open to answer questions for you, but as far as doing it for you, you can't offer me any amount of money. I'm not doing it. Um, you know, I teach this for a reason because I want you guys to have the knowledge to be able to do this for yourself. So that's what this is about. Now, so with the debt validation letter, right? 
I'm asking the lender to validate or the collection company, the creditor, the collection company, whoever it is to validate this debt. And how do I write this letter? This is how I write it. To whom it may concern. I am writing this letter in response to a debt collection account that is showing on my TransUnion, for example, a credit bureau report. Now, if it's Equifax, change it to Equifax. If it's Experian, change it to Experian. I have no recollection of this debt whatsoever. Notice the no recollection again, right? I have no recollection of this debt whatsoever. Therefore, in conformance to my rights under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act, I am requesting you to provide me with a validation of debt under your organization's name that is showing on my, and the name, so that would be TransUnion Equifax or Experian Credit Bureau report currently. Please note that your claim is disputed and validation is demanded effective immediately. And I even give you the legal reference, which is 15 USC 1692G subsection 809B. That is what you are disputing under. Here is the thing. There's more. I do hereby request that your office provide me with complete documentation to verify that I owe the said debt and have any legal obligation to pay you. Please provide me with the following. Number one, I want the agreement with the creditor that authorizes you to collect on this alleged debt. Number two, I want the agreement bearing my signature stating that I have agreed to assume the debt. Number three, proof that you positively verified my identity in accordance with your firm's customer identification program and the U.S. Patriot Act, Bank Secrecy Act, 13 U.S.C. subsection 5311 to 5330 to confirm I was the person who applied for this debt. Number four, valid copies of the debt agreement stating the amount of the debt and interest charges. I want proof that the statute of limitations is not expired. I want you to I want a complete payment history on this account along with an accounting of all additional charges being assessed. Number seven, I want you to show me that you are licensed to collect in my state because if a collection agent agency does not have license to collect in your state, they legally cannot collect, period. Number eight, your license number and registered agent. Why do I want to know who your registered agent is? Because you might be incorporated in another state and registered to do business in my state. So I need to know who your registered agent is too, because your registered agent should be listed on your collection license because you're not physically in the state. Oh, okay. So see, see, there's these little things you need to know that make all of the difference, right? So now here's the cool part. If your office fails to provide a complete reply to all eight points raised in this debt validation letter within 30 days from the date of your receipt, all instances related to this account must be immediately deleted and completely removed from my credit file. Moreover, all future attempts to collect on the said debt must be ceased. Please note that a partial response will be deemed equivalent to a non-response in accordance with relevant federal statutes. 
Your non-compliance with my request will also be construed as an absolute waiver of all claims to enforce the debt against me and your implied agreement to compensate me for for court costs and attorney fees if I am forced to bring this matter before a judge. So what you see here is a validation letter is much different than a verification letter. And why did I write the validation letter that way? Let me tell you. So see, having owned an investment banking and advisory firm, having lent money and done those things, I have to be very familiar with how these laws work because if I want to be able to collect money properly, I need to know how to go about doing that the legal way to make sure that if you fail to pay me that I can go and uh, collect that money. Y'all, it's hot in here. Oh, anyway, listen. So what I know from having been a lender is the fact that we have two types of, of, of loans or what we call notes, right? We have performing notes and non-performing notes. So we care about our performing notes in the banking industry. And what is a performing note? I loaned you money. You pay on time every month. You pay every month. I'm happy with that. I care about that because that now that note, that proof of indebtedness can be used as collateral to borrow money from another financial institution and turn and lend out again. A non-performing note has no value to me as a lender because I can't use it as collateral for anything because there's no underlying cash flow on it because you are failing to perform. It has defaulted. So what happens after a period of time is, and so you understand the inside of the financial game when it comes to lending, what happens after a period of time is once a note is gone about 90 days, three, four months delinquent, we, we, we expect that you are just never going to pay again, right? Or at least not for a really long time. So what we do is we, you know, kind of, it, it's just human error, really, honestly. People stop keeping up with those files because those files can't really be used for anything but selling to a collection agency, right? And so what happens is once we aggregate enough non-performing notes, what we'll turn and do is sell them to a collection agency. And how does that work? So we basically give them the files as is, where is. We sell the files as is, where is, right? So whatever's in the file is what you got. We sell it. I mean, depending on how old the debt is, some debt goes for 50 cents on the dollar. Some goes for 60 cents on the dollar. Some goes as low as as 10 cents on the dollar. And what the collection company does is they buy the debt from us, and then they're the ones hounding you and harassing you at that point. All they're trying to do is make the difference between what they bought it for and whatever else they can get on top of it. That's it. That's their profit. The profit is whatever they can collect from you over and above what they bought the debt for. Once they collect that, they're good. They Once they, they get their targeted rate of return, they're happy campers, which is why you find collection companies always trying to negotiate with you for half and things of that nature is because they just want to make a profit. That's it. They want to get it off the books, clear the books, make the profit. Now, what happens when we sell that 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 note to a collection company? Okay, remember, they're buying the file as is where is. And so what happens is, to be quite frank and honest with you, right? What happens is oftentimes they have incomplete files. I'd say about 95 to 98% of the time, the file they have is incomplete. 
And so when you send a debt validation letter like the one I just showed you, which by the way is yours for free, it's yours. You can just go and download it and use it. And I hope everybody takes advantage of these free resources. It's yours. Uh, so when you send that level of validation request, they're not going to be able to fulfill that. Why? So number one, you ask them for their customer identification protocol. No financial institution is going to send you exactly what they go through step by step to be able to verify your identity. No financial institution is going to do it. And even though under a FOIA request, you can get it, the fact of the matter is no financial institution wants to turn that over. So before they go down the road of disclosing a very uh, internal and very high level uh, risk management process that they have in place, they'd rather just not respond and just write the debt off and just be like, whatever, dude, like we just, we lose that because to them, it's how many people actually know to ask these type of questions, right? Because the only way you even know to ask about customer identification programs, if you were on wall street, you can't know that any other way. You had to, you have to know internal risk management policies and procedures to even know you can ask for something like that. Right. So, you know, not very many people know that. And so because of that, they're not really worried about too many people asking about that. Right. But how about, you know, a collection agent has to be licensed in your state. Most people don't know that. Like it's simple, basic stuff that I provided in these letters that if you follow the process properly and you use these letters the right way, you're going to win 95% of the time. That's the cool part. So that's that, right? So that that's validation. So when you send that validation letter, again, certified mail return receipt requested, chances are you're only going to get a partial response if you get a response at all. That partial response is enough for you to now go over to the, remember, they only partially responded. You get to now send a letter to the credit bureaus, your letter that you sent them, proof that you sent it and the proof that they got it. And highlight that last paragraph where a partial response is deemed as no response and the collection and, and the credit bureaus have to remove it off your credit at that point in time because it's clear in the letter that a partial response is deemed as no response. So the fact that they responded partially is on them. It's not on you. So you get to use that now as leverage to have that removed from your credit. Isn't that great? So, so now, so that's, now what I'm talking about and what I'm dealing with works with trade lines. What are trade lines, right? What works with revolving and installment like type credit. And so what I mean by that is I mean credit cards, this can work with repos, this can work with, uh, some mortgages, depending on how old it is, et cetera, et cetera. Some mortgages, it can work with that. Uh, it can work with store credit cards, you know, cell phone bills, utility payments, things like that, cable bills. It works with things like that, right? So these types of dispute mechanisms work with things like that. Now, let's talk about bankruptcies. Can you get a bankruptcy off of your credit? Short answer is it depends on the uh, it depends on the court. It depends on that that whatever county or state or federal court that you're in. If the recorder doesn't respond, it'll come off your credit. If it does, if they do respond, well, then it's probably going to stay on your credit. So a lot of people say, "Oh, you know, I guarantee that the bankruptcy will be off your credit." You can't guarantee that because if the court reporter responds, remember this is a court judgment. This is a judgment. 
if they if the if the court if the court recorder or the county recorder whoever's keeping the records of all of that stuff if they respond and say yes that's mine even if you send them a validation letter they're going to send you your judgment and when they send you your judgment that's a court order that stands right so you know it's like 50-50 with these bankruptcies, right? But the good news about bankruptcies is the older they are, the less they affect you. And if you've done a good job of boosting your credit, building your credit and maintaining your credit post a bankruptcy, like, you know, you, you, you're still going to be able to do business. You're still going to be able to get, you know, uh, prime rates uh, if your FICO score is there and you've demonstrated positive payment history post bankruptcy. It is possible. But, you know, generally, if it's a new bankruptcy and it's just been discharged, right, like that is, you know, you don't have to wait a little while on that. You might want to put 12 to 24 months in front of that to be able to, you know, uh, instill the level of traction and confidence and credibility that you're looking for. And here's the thing, right? Even if someone is successful, and, and I just want to put this out there for the record, even if someone is successful about uh, of getting your bankruptcy off your credit report, I want you to know that the whole reason that you have credit in the first place is to be able to buy houses, buy cars, finance things. You want to be able to borrow money for something. I want you to know that in the underwriting process, we do run your background. I want you to know that. And so just because it doesn't appear on your credit report doesn't mean that we're not going to see it. Because remember, a bankruptcy is a public record. Any judgments, liens, convictions, anything like that, that's in your background. We're going to see it, right? So... Just because you got it off the credit report doesn't really mean it disappeared. That is not how that works. And I just wanted to put that out there for the record because I hear a lot of people talking about getting bankruptcies off their credit report. And these, these fly-by-night credit repair gurus are, are promising the world and saying that if you don't have a bank, I get it off your credit and you all good to go. That is not true because we're going to see it in your background anyway. We use LexisNexis. We use Westlaw's People Map. Like we use these tools, World Compliance, World Check. We have all these great tools in place to be able to check all of that stuff. So please don't think that just because the bankruptcy is on your credit report that the lender doesn't know about it. Yes, we know about it. We're going to see it, period. I just want you to be aware of that. So let's just, that's bankruptcy. Judgments. Let's say you have a judgment, right? Does Can that judgment show up on your credit report? The short answer is yes, it can. If they've gone the, the steps to have it reported to your credit report, absolutely it will show up. Can a judgment be removed from your credit report? Again, that depends on the court, right? Because that judgment is ran by the courts. It's the same thing with bankruptcies. And just because, again, it's a judgment, just because you get it off the credit report doesn't mean that the lender won't see it. They will see it when they run your background. Listen, you got to think about it like this, right? You coming in and ask me for money. You asking me for something. I don't need anything from you. You're asking me. So in order for me to feel comfortable giving you my money, you have to comply with whatever check I want to make about you inquiry that I decide to do on you if you want my money. If you're not willing to comply with my requirements to be able to borrow my money, guess what? You won't be borrowing any of my money. You better go talk to Pookie down the street because Frederick Scott ain't got a nickel to give you. And that's how financial institutions think. So please understand that you're, you're doing business with a financial institution. 
who has a lot of legal requirements anyway in the know your client and anti-money laundering department anyway. Please believe that if the, you're, they're borrowing you money, if they're lending you money, this is a long-term relationship. So of course I want to know who you are. I want to know this person I'm in bed with. Who am I doing business with? So yes, we are checking your background. Don't think that we're not. We are. I promise you we are. So that is all I got to say on judgment. Child support. All right. Can you get child support off the credit report? No. No, you can't. Even if someone successfully gets it off, it's coming back. Child support is a lot like uh, federal student debt, which I'm going to talk about in a second. All right. Look, child support is child support. And remember, a court issued, this is a judgment, a court issued this judgment. Even if they successfully get it off, it's coming back anyway. Be known that that, that child support obligation, there was a couple of people you don't want to play with in the United States, right? Any of the federal alphabet, especially the IRS, you make sure they get their money off top. Because if they ain't getting theirs, they coming to see you. You better ask Wesley Snipes. Now, aside from that, right, you don't want to play with the child support folks. They, they suspend driver's licenses. They put people in jail in some states. Listen, the child support office and, and the IRS are undefeated. Don't play with them too. Just pay it. Work out payment arrangements because trying to get around it and get it off your credit report, even if it does come off your credit report temporarily, it will be back, number one. That's number one. But number two, again, it's a judgment. We're going to see it in your background anyway. So you're not hiding anything. You're not getting around anything. We still are going to see it anyway. And since the ultimate goal is for you to borrow money anyway, right? Like, we're going to wonder why it is that this is not on your credit report, but it's on your background. And yeah, now nah, I ain't even going to talk about that. Yeah, I am. Listen, lenders can do historical views of credit reports. So don't think that just like that's possible, too. So I'm not going to get into the details of that. But yes, we can do a historical view of a credit report, too, just for the record. Like, so. Y'all really, people really think they be getting around stuff and, and, and don't really realize that they're not. Okay, so that's child support. Just pay it. Okay, student debt. I have heard a number of people, in fact, in fact, I was actually on, this was probably back in 2013. I was on Hot 97. I was on the Lisa Ever Show. I'll never forget it. Um, and, and I'm going to just go and put his name out there and, you know, he can feel how he feel about it. I don't care. It was Ash Cash. I was actually on a panel with Ash Cash and I'll never forget this. Um, and we were on, this was a live on air panel and he made a statement that you can get federal student debt off of your credit. And I commented that that was not the case. And he went on this rant about how he was like a certified credit repair specialist, blah, 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 blah. There was no legitimate, no credible credit repair certification that is backed by any financial institutions, period. I just want you to know that for the record. So when you hear people talking about they certified credit this, run, because it already makes no sense. But so it made the comment that student day, and, and, and I told him he was wrong. Yo, he literally went on a tirade about his certifications and he knew what he was talking about, blah, 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 only for the next caller to be someone that actually works 
the student aid department in the federal government to tell him that that was not possible and he was wrong. I will never forget that. So be careful who you listen to because a lot of people talking a lot of foolery out here that makes no sense. Student debt does not come off the credit report. Student debt does not come off federally backed student debt. Does not, let me clarify that. Federally backed student debt does not come off the credit report. Even if you luck up and get it off for 30 or 60 days, it is coming back. You cannot dispute away federally backed student debt. You can't do it. It cannot be done. Let me say it again. You cannot dispute federally backed student debt, remove it from the credit report, never have to pay it again, all this, that, and the third. No, you cannot do it. This is the federal government. You do not do it. However, 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 with student debt, right? There are ways to deal with student debt. You can go into what's called, and I'm going to pull it, I'm going to talk to you about it right from studentaid.gov. I'm actually at studentaid.gov and I'm actually going to share my screen with you so you guys can kind of know where you can go to kind of look at this stuff, right? So studentaid.gov, give me a second, let me, boom. So this is studentaid.gov. They have an income-driven repayment plan. Did you know that even if your student debt is in collections, it can be taken out of collections. You can pay as little as $5 a month if you're having economic hardship and your loans will still be paid as agreed. It's an income-driven repayment plan. And a lot of people don't know about these income-driven repayment plans that student aid, it's at studentaid.gov, the same place you would go to you know, manage your student loan, the same place you went while you were in school to check your student loan and all of those things. Same website, studentaid.gov. You can apply right there. You can get an income-driven repayment plan. You can have that taken out of collections, that federally-backed student debt taken out of collections and reporting paid as agreed again, provided you get into one of their income-driven repayment plans. And the crazy thing is, I mean, you can pay as little as $5 a month and keep that thing active and pay it as agreed. And, and so that's the better way to deal with student debt, right? So I just wanted to put that out there. Now, what about non-federally backed student debt? What about private, fi privately financed student debt? Now, that works the same thing as like a, like a, uh, like a, um, like a trade line, like a, like a, uh, an installment loan. At the end of the day, you dispute that all the same. Hey, listen, nine times out of 10, if you defaulted on a private uh, student loan, that bank is sold it to a collection company. It works the same way. You can go after them now. Now you can go for them. You can definitely uh, follow the process and, 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 and go for them. So that's that. Inquiries. Inquiries. Let's talk about inquiries real quick. Can you get all inquiries off your credit report? Yes. I don't think it's worth it. Unless you got like 30,000 million of them. I don't think it's worth it. Uh, because what, a, what most of the time the credit bureau is going to ask you for is a police report. And you're going to have to call them too. So you got to call them. You got to talk to them. They're going to ask you for the police report. You got to send a police report. It's a long process. Can it be done? Yes. You can get inquiries off. But an inquiry only sits on your credit report for 24 months. It stops affecting you after 12 is it really worth it? Probably not. You could probably spend that time building credit, which we're going to talk about next week, and making strategic investments, right, and growing your wealth and, and doing it that way. 
So I, I really don't think unless you've got an obscene amount of, of inquiries, hard inquiries on your on your credit report, I really don't see the point in messing with them, to be honest with you, especially because I know they're not they had they hold no weight. First of all, the weight they hold overall is minimal, but they don't hold any weight after 12 months. So, I mean, do you really need to argue about an inquiry? Probably not. So that's just my opinion, though. I'm sure there's some credit guru out there that would say differently, but you know, I, I come from Wall Street, so I deal with what matters and and only what matters, and everything else I, I leave it where it's at. You know what I mean? So, so that's kind of that, right? Now, so what else did I want to cover? I want to make sure I cover everything before I get on up out of here today. Uh, yes. So, so I've shared with you the the credit restoration letters that I've created, um, that I've written. Um, those are for you guys. Do take advantage of those. Let's see what else. Um, a couple of other things I wanted to go over, and I'm kind of losing. I'm kind of y'all. I'm tired. Y'all got to work with me a little bit, man. I do a lot more than just this podcast, so it's it's busy times, busy busy times. So you know, sometimes I forget things, and I wrote notes. That's the worst part. I actually wrote notes on my notepad, and I'm out of notes, which means I didn't write down everything that I meant to talk about. Uh, so. Anyway, um, let me think. I want to make sure I cover everything. So I talked about bankruptcies. I talked about judgments. I talked about child support. I talked about student debt. Um, I talked about inquiries. Uh, oh, that's what I wanted to tell you. How about you have a, a, let's say you got an account in collections. And that account you have for, let's say, 10 years. And nine out of those 10 years, you paid really, really good. But that last year, man, you you came under some hardship, hard times, all of that. And it went into collections. You couldn't afford to pay it. It went into collection. But you got nine years of positive payment history, paid as agreed, on time, all the time. But because you made a mistake, now all of a sudden it's in collections. And now it's destroying your credit instead of boosting your credit. Did you know? Did you know? So once we sell, once a lender sells the debt, right? Once a lender sells the debt, we no longer own the debt. The collection company does. And whatever they do with the debt at that point is on them. Did you know, did you know that you can, if you want to keep that trade line and you don't want to just have a 10 year, a, a, a trade line with nine years of positive payment history on it, just disappear from your credit report. You just want to be able to fix that last year. Do you know that if you negotiate with the collection company the right way, that you can pay less than you owe and they'll agree to turn to go back and show that entire history of that last year is paid as agreed. They can do that. They can do that. They can go back and re-report that last year is paid as agreed. And now that collection account that was in collections is now no longer in collections, number one, because you can tell them to um, report it not in collections and paid as agreed and they'll do it right if you negotiate it right. So check this out. So now it's no longer in collections. You got all 10 years of that positive payment history and it's paid off. Do you know how beautiful it's going to show paid as agreed? Do you know how beautiful that's going to look on your credit report? Now you got that 10-year account and that 10-year history back. 
simply because you're negotiating. So I did want to tell you that that is possible. You can do that. These, you know, at the end of the day, a creditor, a collection company is really only trying to do one thing, make a profit. So, you know, if they can make, let's say, let's say you owed, you know, a thousand dollars on that, on that debt. You had a thousand dollars remaining to be paid on that debt. They offered to settle with you for $500 if you just pay it all off now. You might be able to offer them $600 or $700 and they'll change that to pay it as agreed. They just got another 20%. They're not mad about that. So I just wanted to share that with you as well. Uh, while that was on my mind, I did definitely want to tell you that. So listen, guys, that's all I got for y'all today. I talked a little bit longer than I thought. And listen, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to leave those in the comments. Yo, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification, and make sure you hit that join button to join the hashtag Real Woke Live Chat community. It is because of your support that I'm able to keep making this great content and keep rolling out all these resources, perks, and benefits that are for our community, that benefit our community. And I want to be able to continue to do those things. I'm going to announce something really cool next week. I can't wait. Um, so that's that. But yes, it is your support that makes all of these things possible, right? So this consistent content is because of y'all. So I appreciate everybody that supports me. Hey, man, I love y'all, man. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much, right? And for those who are not supporting yet, hey, man, I don't know what you waiting for, man. I know you like this content. Hey, man, go and hit that join button. And join this hashtag real woke live chat community. Alright. So we can keep going, keep doing what we're doing. All right. So I appreciate y'all. Listen, for all of y'all out there that think that y'all want to take a little bit of a shortcut, y'all don't want to listen to these like hour-long videos and things like that. Y'all just want the meat and potatoes. I actually did write a book on this. Uh, uh it's called 101 Ways to Boost Your Credit. Uh, so I did write a book on this. That book is going to be available in the description. It's also, if you look uh, on this side, no, no, I'm sorry, on this side, no, no. Yeah, this side right here, there's going to be a little icon up there, a little eye icon, you know, in this video. Go ahead and click that. You'll be able to see it there. And at the end of the video, at the end, end of the video, right, you're going to be able to see it in one of the cards. You'll be able to click on it there too. Go ahead and check out the book if you're just interested in getting the just the top line points to be able to boost your FICO score. Hey, I wrote a book for that, all right? So you got these hashtags for the free resources. You got all the credit restoration documents. You got all your um, your contact information because, you know, when the creditors don't do the right thing, when the lenders don't do the right thing, you got to know who to call. And uh, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau is definitely one of those places you can call. I put the names of all the credit bureaus, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, et cetera, et cetera. All that information is in the hashtag for the free resources under credit restoration documents. Yo, I hope y'all enjoy those letters. I hope it benefits y'all. So, you know, with all of that said, until the next hashtag for the free Friday, I thank y'all again for listening to me, but y'all, it's hot. I'm out.